do you guys see a progress line from Christine? Not yeah, but it's going in the opposite direction from ours. Oh shit! Are you are you serious? Well, look at it. Look at your screens. If you're seeing what I see, Christine's line is pushing to the right, and we are kind of all tracking to the left. I don't even see a line from Christine. But maybe once her line reaches the end, it'll start tracking with ours. I don't see a line. (laughs) Do you hear me? I do. I can hear you. Yeah, that's good. I think I think we should just start again. If we peel back the layers of time and arrive over 2,500 years ago in the Panhellaic sanctuary of Eleusis in ancient Greece, where initiations were held every year for the cult of Demeter in, in Persephone, they had air gut and things got weird, but not as weird as the paintings that, it, that have been seen in the art shed, or as weird as this podcast. Broadcasting live from a shed near the shores of Lake Maspinock. I'm Matt Carl. Normal Andy. I'm producer Chris. And, uh... Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, crack a beer! Crack a beer! How weird are you guys? Pretty weird. Okay. Well, I guess I'm normal Andy, but... Normal Andy's pretty weird. Even normal Andy can feel weird Hey, who the hell is this person? This is, I think this is your sister, Carl. Christine Restino, famed lecturer hey, and a teacher of Italian doing? studies. Uh, consider that your introduction. This is teacher of Italian studies, Christine Restino. So, Christine. Oh, actually, Christine has done some research on her last name, right? Oh. So, they pronounce it Ristaino. And they pronounce most in a lot of times in Italy, they pronounce both vowels. Like we have the vowels where we'll pronounce them together, but they often they'll pronounce them both. You'll see, you'll hear like Ristaino. And that's how they say it. And a lot of Ristainos are in Southern Italy. So around the Naples area and, and our family too, we're from Savignano di Puglia and Avellino, which isn't far from, from Naples. And there was a, once upon a time, there was a huge earthquake and a lot of the Restinos left at that point. <laughs> well, is that like a spiritual life? Yeah. Did they no, they, I, don't, I don't think they died. I think they, they just left. <laughs> I don't know where they went. In Italy, you know, a lot of people left Southern Italy because there was a drought and um, right. yeah. famine. They were so poor. But wasn't our family like uh, artisans, like stonemasons? No, no. So so I've heard this story, which I think is true. Our great grandfather uh, was a stonemason, and he invented a uh, a form of. uh, I wish I had. See now, invented a type of rock. (laughs) No, he invented like a round, a A wheel. I don't know what he invented, but he invented, and then the government brought him here, and they gave him land. That's possible. He was, he was like I a, don't know. Like a, yeah, I don't know. Totally, totally. That's he a good like, story. Why didn't you tell that story? Yeah, Christine. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't bring that up. You know, we do have masons in our family also in the United States, and we also had relatives who worked in the on the Hoover Dam. 
And uh, I guess yeah, they were craftsmen. They were styled yeah. were craftsmen. Craftsmen. And then we had a grandfather who was a who had been trained in the seminary, and he would write to all of the neighbors. He would the neighbors would come over. They couldn't write, and they would have him write letters to their relatives in Italy, and then. The letter would come back and he'd read the, translate the, the letter into, no, he wouldn't translate it. He'd just read it for them. And nice. then he'd have them, he would write back for them. They'd dictate what they wanted to say. And uh, I, I guess there were a lot of people who kept coming to him and asking him to write letters, oh. which was pretty cool of him. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, our family name is from the south of Italy in a, uh, an impoverished area. And it's still, there. you know, everybody from that area, a lot, not everybody, but a lot of people left. Some people went to the United States. Some people went to Australia. Uh, they went all over the place to is find the, a better the, life. Is there a large Italian population in Australia? Yeah, there wow. is, especially in Melbourne. Hmm. I met, it was interesting. When I went to Italy, I met this woman named Dina and she's from Australia and we traveled south to visit her family in Calabria. And we stayed with, with this woman. She had been wearing black for years because I think it was since her parents had died. She was probably in her seventies. She was she had worn black. She said she was going to be married in a wedding dress because she was a, a virgin. She had never married. And when we stayed with her, there was no no bathroom. How old was she? She was she was in her eighties, and they would walk with big <laughs> tanks of water. No, seventies. Excuse me. She was in her seventies. And she didn't have a bathroom. No, because it was such a poor area. It was Calabria. Wow. There was one place in uh, there was a one house with electricity and bathrooms, everything, and everybody would go over there if they wanted to use anything electric. Her house, she, she said she basically had animals in her house for years because the animals, you know, they wanted to, to stay warm. Right. But this was actually in Southern Italy. It was, a, it was a phenomenal place. It was so interesting. And they spoke a dialect. And I'm fluent in, in Italian, but I could not understand their dialect. So, so there was an Australian <laughs> Italian woman who slept with animals. No, no. It was a virgin. It was a virgin. It was eighty years old. She was seventy. All right, she was seventy. She was going to be married. But that wasn't the Australian, Carl. No, the Australian was her granddaughter. Okay. The Australian woman was my friend Dina. We're never going to publish this episode. This is. We're going to have to delete this whole thing. No, no, no. Okay. 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 Fine. So this is what happened. Dina, her family spoke a dialect. And when Dina came to visit this family, she sounded like her grandmother because when they moved from Australia, when they moved from Italy or Southern Italy to Australia, Dina's family kept speaking with the dialect. But in Southern Italy, television came to Southern Italy. Um, the school started teaching standard Italian so the kids were asking Dina, why do you speak like my grandmother? Because she still spoke with the dialect. And um, so it's interesting how much when people move from a country into another place, they hold on tight to the culture. Yeah. Like we still make raviolis, for example, in the dialect. They, we still make raviolis by hand. My mother does it every 
every holiday. But when I went to Italy, they buy store-bought raviolis. They're still freshly made, but they don't make them. And this Italian said to me, your family makes homemade ravioli? And I said, yes. And he said, you're more Italian than the Italians. But in a way, I wasn't because the Italians had moved on. They had a 20-minute sauce. You know, like right. they moved on. The Italian-Americans and the Australian-American are uh, the Italian-Australians. They, they've held on tight to the old culture. So really what we do is we follow a culture that doesn't exist anymore. It's a culture from like a hundred and something years back. Right. And, right. That's really interesting. Yeah. I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. So anyways, but this part of Italy is still very poor and it was a, a fascinating trip. And basically the, I, I could not understand the dialect. The kids had to translate for me from, <laughs> from this dialect to the standard Italian. It was really fun. Uh, did you end up going to the town our family's from? No, I still haven't been to that town. Wow. I wanted, this is interesting. I was, uh, I was with- Is that Avignon? What is uh, that? Avellino. And, and I really wanted to go to Avellino. And I was with Chris and my friend Gretchen and we were traveling. And then Chris said, you know what, Christine, we don't have time to go to Avellino. <laughs> and I, w I burst into tears. I really wanted to go to Avellino, but we didn't end up going. And I still haven't. Mom wanted to go the last time we were in Italy together, but it was going to be a really long train ride. And it's a long way. It's yeah. a long way yeah. from, from Bologna. Bologna's from Bologna. up north and yeah. Avellino is down south. Exactly. Exactly. So we didn't go that time either. One day I think we'll get there. Yeah. Is there actual Ristinos there? Oh, Ristiano? How do they say Ristaino. it? Ristaino. 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 From what I understand, there's... Well, actually, I know there are. You know Giuseppe Ristaino? Yeah. he. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. this is so funny. We've oh, met yeah. a lot of Ristinos on... on um, Facebook. On, on, on Facebook. And Giuseppe... He rides a Harley. He's cool. He He's is really awesome. cool. Uh, and uh, he, I'll have a, I have a weird story about Giuseppe. So I'm friends with him on Facebook or whatever. We've never met. He rides a Harley. He lives in Italy. And um, our parents sold a cottage in Maine. And, um, <laughs> and this is really weird. They sold a cottage in Maine. And the uh, realtor, for some reason, emailed Giuseppe the the papers. Like I don't know how. <laughs> wait, it, this is really weird. And and um, Giuseppe writes me on Facebook and he says, "Carl, did you sell a house? I got some papers in the in the in the like in the like he must have had like like the." He must have had his last name in Gmail or something, and some some huh. realtor like. And and I was like, I'm like, no, there's no way we got a uh, anybody gave you papers for to sell a house. I didn't sell a house. And then a week later, I'm talking to my dad, and 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 I go, you know, it's and and he goes, um, when we never got our papers from the. Um, from selling the house or whatever. And, and I'm like, Oh my God, this guy from Italy, Giuseppe 
contacted me and he, he said the realtor <laughs> sent the email to them. She must have just randomly, like, I don't, I have no idea how she emailed this guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that be the, the, I mean, there can't be too many people with the last name or Steino in, no. in an email. So, so, so it was really weird that I was just in contact with Giuseppe and, and I was like, it's spam, Giuseppe. You know, if I can <laughs> just delete it, just delete it. So it was really weird. And my dad said that uh, they, um, the realtor, like he was like wondering where the, the email was and he, uh, he had to re-email it to her. He never knew what happened to the first mm-hmm. email. So, so when somebody fucks up on an email to you, and you never get it, it's probably going to somebody to in some other country. <laughs> yeah. So that's the weirdest fucking thing. It was so weird. Yeah, Giuseppe's there. He he is. He lives not far from Savignano Savignano di Puglia. He said if we ever go, he can take us there. And he doesn't nice. live far from Avellino either. Yeah, are we all riding Harleys? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. I, I mean, you have to take me. He's like, I see like him driving like through cliffs in Italy. Like, you know how there's like a lot of like winding roads, yeah. like over cliffs and stuff like that. It can be terrifying. The, yeah. The, yeah, you know. You were in in southern Italy with me, Carl. Do you remember we were in an earthquake? Yes, yes, we were at. Um, so there was a. Um, that was, was Orvieto. Orvieto, Orvieto, right, right. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the 11th century, the whole city collapsed. So, oh, so Orvieto, uh, it looks like it it was back in the 11th century. The 11th century. Um, the whole city collapsed and it left like a plateau with the whatever was left of the city on it, right, Christine? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're that's Bagnoraggio. Oh, Bagnoraggio. Okay, so that's near Orvieto. It's really close. Yeah. Remember we met did you we met Franco, right? At the Franco's this guy that has a wine cellar. Yes. And, and then or Civita is the city where like Bagnoraggio is on one side. Then you walk over this really cool bridge, and it's uh, one of those types suspension bridge, I think. Okay. And you get to this tiny mountain almost, and it, all around the mountain, the it crumbled because of an earthquake, and there's just this right. little village there. Maybe like twenty people live there, but it's gorgeous. Right, and there's not you there's, you just walk around. <laughs> so, uh, so, so Rick Steves talked about it, and then everybody started going there. So, <laughs> you go there, and and you just there's nothing there. I mean, it's it. I don't want to say nothing there, but there's it's just like a town, like that people still live, but there's not like a site to go to. You just wander up this cliff, and uh, everything is collapsed around it, and then it's like a little village on this plateau. And you wander around the village, and um, there's no real cafes or anything. And some guy tried to sell us. I think we bought whatever the hell he had to sell us. It was like a, a fucking rock or a clay fucking <laughs> thing or something. <laughs> I don't no. remember that part. I think I gave him a couple lira back then, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before the euro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and we stayed in a hotel on at Orvieto and about 4 a.m. in the morning, 
There was an earthquake. We both well, were- I made Christine go to a bar with me. And um, we drank way too late and we ate some food and drank. And then we we stayed in a hotel, but it was like in Italy, they have like these little towns, they have hotels, but but we went there and they wouldn't let us in. Like the place was locked up and Christine had to knock on the door. And then the lady opened up and she yelled at us that we were like back too late because we had like drinking, like, I don't know, it, it, Probably it was like only one in the morning or something. She was all pissed off because it wasn't like a real hotel. It was like, I mean, it was a, it was like a. Like a uh, pensione, a pension, like it. Yeah. It's one star or two. You can stay in a lot of cool places with one star and they're pretty. She was pissed off that we woke her up and we were like, it's probably during the week. And and then, then, uh, then there was, we got back to the room and there was like an earthquake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was crazy. That was crazy. It was weird. And and there have been subsequent earthquakes in that area that have done a lot more damage. So I think we were pretty lucky. Yeah, it was nothing. Yeah. It was just, I mean, it was probably the worst earthquake I've ever been in, but it wasn't really that bad. No. before You know, it was the kind of earthquake before you know what, before you decide yeah. what to do, it's over. Right. That's, that's most earthquakes, I believe. But it was yeah. definitely... Like whoa! Like the the ground is shaking. <laughs> Either we had too much to drink, or the ground was shaking, or both. It was it was definitely definitely shaking. I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember too. It was pretty. It was pretty unique. Tell us about this, the CNN thing. Oh yeah, so this woman called me up and she said she was from CNN, and she wanted to interview me because. There is a new show on uh, on CNN, and it has uh, this guy named Stanley Tucci. Yeah, oh, he's, yeah. he's awesome. He's a, he's an actor. Have you seen Big Night? I think I, I I think that Andy and Carl have. Have you seen it, Chris? Oh, yes, I have. Not for a while, but yeah, I have seen it. It's one of my favorite movies, and I love it because there are two Italians who come from Italy to the United States. And one of them is willing to go with the flow and Americanize. And the other one is just, nope, we cannot stray from the original recipes and get super mad at the customers because they wanted risotto and pasta. And you can't have both. You can't have too many <laughs> starches. That's the, In fact, the idea of having bread before pasta is a no-no. But the, the United States, we do it all the time. So... Now the Italians give tourists bread just because of that. So anyways, going back to the movie, it's a phenomenal movie. It's just really good. And Stanley Tucci is doing a new show on CNN called Searching for Italy. So in order to christen the show, they, they did articles all week on CNN because it's a CNN show. And this one was on pizza. And so she had found my our website, our pandemic noodles website that we did with our students and basically he called me up and she wanted to interview me about pizza and so I talked to her for about an hour about pizza and she basically quoted me around Neapolitan pizza and the history of of American soldiers in Italy and um, bringing back pizza it became mainstream when the Italians actually uh, introduced pizza to Americans who loved it, and they brought it back. But um, I said this in the last episode, but 
before then, the Italian Americans were probably the only ones eating pizza. And so I talked a bit about that and she quoted me on that. But we, we had a really good conversation. And Stanley Tucci, I just love, I, I wasn't able to catch his show last Sunday, but I want to watch it this Sunday. It should be good. And he goes, I guess he's just going back into Italy to learn about the cooking and the cuisine. It's called Searching for Italy. So that was that was fun. Uh, we talked a lot about pizza in Italy and this whole idea that the Italians love three basic colors. They love in food. They try to put the colors of the Italian flag. So you've got red, green, and white. Right. And so basically with the pizza margarita, the pizza, they made it for Queen Margarita, who was in Naples at the time, and they put... They made this pizza with green, red, and white. And then it became, she was so into it that she helped popularize it. And it became a, a, one of the most famous pizzas around. Uh, also, pasta has that red, green, and white. Right. And then the insulatica prese. Have you had insulatica prese before? Caprese salad from Capri? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That one was created by the futurists who were rebelling against pasta because they were rebelling against society. And so they were at this hotel called the Hotel Quisisana, and they decided that they weren't going to eat pasta anymore, and they wanted the chefs to make them something different. So the chefs put together mozzarella, which is the white, uh, basil, which is the green, and tomatoes, the red. And they had a new pizza, they, they wouldn't eat pasta anymore. And that one also became popularized first by the, the Hotel Cuisisana, which was a really nice hotel. And then it just, it went from there and it's super popular now. So a lot of, a lot of foods are red, green, and white. And it's yeah. after the Italian flag. So that the flag came first and then they decided to yeah. make all the food look like the flag. Yep. The flag came first in 1861. Well, I don't is know that, when the flag. I mean, is that why there's stars in all our food? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's the, futurists, the futurists were like early 20th century, right? Yeah. Yeah. They they were so interesting. I mean, they they just made these really cool paintings. You've probably I don't know if you've seen some, but they also had a manifesto. And they would make poems where it sounded like war, so it would be ta 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 ta, like a a gun shooting. They they did all kinds of cool things. The futurist poets, but they were having some kind of gathering in Capri, and that's where the for for me, I love the futurists because they created the Insulatica Prese, and that whole area. You think about it, Naples. They created the Insulatica Prese in that area. They created pizza and pasta seem to originate in that area too. It's a real um, food capital, Naples in the area, that, that whole region. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, I mean, I know that that's where, that's considered to be the home of, yeah, like you were saying the story about the pizza margarita. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, probably the most in Chicago, I mean, Chicago is just pizza is everywhere, every style, everything imaginable. Um, but one of the places that has the best reputation for really classic Italian um, pizza is Spacca uh, Napoli. 
Oh, nice. And it's and they've been around for decades, and they're just doing the same thing, and they're doing very traditional uh, pizzas, and and you can get great, you know, great pizza of all types here, but they're kind of one of the classic ones, yeah. So in yeah. Italy, do they have thin crust mostly? They do, and and that's what I love about Italian pizzas, and I'm sure Chris will say the same thing about the Neapolitan pizza. It's just. You don't have a lot on it, but what's on it is so yeah. tasty. You know, you can taste everything. You can taste the olive oil. You can taste the tomatoes and the basil or whatever's put on it. It's not a lot. It's not gobs of cheese, but it's really good quality stuff. And so, I don't know, I would I would eat a Neapolitan pizza over any pizza any day. It's just it's so but, fresh and really good. I mean, good. I like being that's what I usually make when when I make it at home. That's what I usually make, and my favorite is to just go with, um, you know, just a, pretty thin on the tomato sauce, mozzarella, a little parmesan, and then, um, especially in the summer when my garden's going to have arugula and some Ooh. copa, just oh, arugula and copa, so or maybe prosciutto instead, yes. whatever I have in the fridge at the time. Yeah, right. Uh, so, what, what did they invent deep dish in Chicago? Yeah, yeah, deep dish uh, is a, a Chicago thing. It's hard to get a really. I, I'm not going to say it's impossible to get a good one outside of Chicago. I haven't had a good one outside of Chicago, so it's kind of a. It's a weird thing, you know. I mean, I, I, I think like Anthony Bourdain, you know, was very against it, and he said, you know, I'd really love it if you just call it lasagna. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's some truth to that. I, I mean, I can hilarious. <laughs> I but. love thin crust. I love thin <laughs> crust. Yeah. You guys are totally but, right about the thin crust. But there's oh, so nice. many different types of thin crust, though, even within that. And that's one of the things I like about Chicago is that we get it from Chicago. The best way to think of Chicago is we are the western edge of the East Coast. So oh, yes. we that get so many. There's so many places that are East Coast pizza, New York, Boston, kind of okay. northern northeast style pizza um that are thin crust but then there's also cracker crust pizza there's detroit pizza um what the hell detroit pizza detroit (laughs) pizza is kind of it's very thick on the bread it's a car parts yes and car parts (laughs) lots of oil (laughs) right right um but we even have i mean my my big thing nowadays i like um the pizza al taglio um Mm. And we have a place, Bonchi Pizza, here that's actually, they have one other restaurant, and that's in Rome. And that's just awesome. They just, like, take scissors. Like, all the pizzas are right on display cases and um, on mm-hmm. sheets. And you just say how much you want them to cut off of the pizzas, and then they throw them in the oven to heat them up. Oh. Um, and you go through, so you can get, like, four or five different types. Um, but that's, that's like, a thicker crust. It's almost like toppings put onto focaccia. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's really good, but, oh, but that's, that's the thing. Awesome. There's so many different great types of pizza out there. Yeah, there is, you know, it's interesting cause we're all, all, all four of us are from an Italian American town and the pizza yeah. in, in Franklin was so good. And yeah. then I remember going to college and my, some friends ordered Domino's and I took a bite. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, what is this? I didn't I even know. realize how lucky we were when it came to pizza. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was awful. I couldn't believe that pizza could taste like that. 
But what came first, pizza or like bruschetta, like or whatever that stuff, uh, mm. whatever it's called. Like, I mean, that's just like bread with with tomatoes on it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So bruschetta, it has a little bit of salt and. Um, but it's it's got tomatoes, sometimes basil, some olive yeah, right. oil. Yeah, that I mean, is it's so phenomenal. Good. It is. You got some good bread. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that came first in right. a variety of forms. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris, because it's easier. Yeah. And because bread was such a staple throughout history. Bread is probably the oldest food that's mm-hmm. that's made other than like taking yeah. an animal and throwing it on a fire. Right. Um, and eating just ber- nuts and berries. Um, yeah. Bread is probably our first, like, recipe food, you know. Have, have you built a, a pizza oven, Chris? I, I have two wood-fired ovens. Um, my favorite thing for making pizzas nowadays, actually, though, is I have kind of this big fire trough. And I just build one by stacking um, fire bricks. Uh-huh. So I end up with an oven that's kind of, it's just got a bed of fire bricks with a fire underneath it and a fire inside it. And I just stack the bricks so that there's a space that's maybe like about five inches high. And then there's more fire brick on top of that. And just in that five inch opening, that's like 16 inches wide by 20 inches deep or 24 inches deep. Um, I just slide the pizzas into that. Nice. So I just build a fire in it, under it, over it. And just get oh, all those great. fire bricks heated up really hot. Yeah. And I get about half an hour of good pizza cooking out of that. Nice. So, right. Yeah. So did they invent throwing pizza in the air in in, uh, in, in the United States? Or did they invent it in Italy? Like throwing the dough? Like in, you know, they just stretch the dough. You know, they throw the dough, the pizza in the air. Is that invented like yeah. like in Papaginos or is that invented in Italy? <laughs> uh oh, is Christine gone? She left us. Oh, no, Chris, do you know this? What? About, I'm still uh, with you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we yeah. can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know how they throw the dough in the air? Yeah, I think that's just a thing. Just a game. Anytime you're doing that, what you're doing is you're using gravity to make it circular. So right. I think it is something that's really old. I mean, I think there are a lot of other things, not exactly like throwing it in the air like that, but there are a lot of similar things that are used in pottery to make things circular. Right, um, right. You're just using, I guess it's centripetal. Yeah, it's centrifugal centripetal force. Centri- the, yeah, I I'm trying to remember the difference between centripetal and centrif- centrifugal. Centrifugal? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what <laughs> Um, I think I'm going with centripetal though on this one. I think I don't know. Maybe I'm totally wrong and just but whatever. Um, but yeah, but by spinning it in the air, you make it perfectly circular because gravity. As long as you start out with something that's even enough, it will make itself circular because of the spinning motion. It's got to be old. It's got to yeah. Be old. So it's got to be old, I think, because yeah, it's basic yeah. physics. Right, right. And those those Italians, they were they were they were mathematicians. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> They're everything. Physicists. Right. Yeah. Uh, what's the other thing I was going to ask you, Christine? Uh, oh, all your travels in Italy uh, with art and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You you wrote a book about an Italian author. 
Yes. Oh, I did. I, I wrote a book about Lucrezia Marinella, and she was a woman writer during the Inquisition. Uh-huh. And it, it was really interesting because she was a real strong woman writer, but she had to hide behind certain, I don't know, basically she couldn't be truthful about who she was or what she felt. She had to, to go through subtle loopholes. So basically she would write religious poems and should make the man a real jerk and, and should blame it on religion. He wasn't Christian. But, and then she'd give him all these negative qualities. And the only way she could do that was if she made him not Christian. She, she had to be criticizing the man's faith rather than how he acted. And so, so she would make a lot of statements about how women were treated by doing this. And so I talked about all the undercurrents, like what were the loopholes that she basically used to talk about the things that she wanted to talk about in her books. And she's, she was prolific. She wrote uh, epic poems. She wrote poetry. She wrote almost these, these things that were kind of like short stories. And she also wrote religious poems. She, she wrote so much, but she wasn't even in the Italian canon because for so long, only men were in the Italian canon. So the, mm-hmm. people only talked about yeah. men. And then there was a period of time where people started reinserting the woman authors into the canon so that we would study both. And so when I was writing my dissertation, I was looking at these old manuscripts from the 16th, you know, from the 17th century, actually. And they were handwritten, they looked handwritten almost. And I had, sometimes I couldn't figure out what they said you know, like what some of the letters were and everything. Mm-hmm. It, it took so long to read through these things. Uh, I They were all on, what is that thing called? The, it was a long, long time ago. We don't even use it anymore, but it was microfiche. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was all microfilm. Yeah. Microf- That's not that long ago. I know. Yeah, yeah. Carla's Carl reaching back really yeah. far. <laughs> sheepskin? Yeah. Sheepskin? Yeah, right. That's why I said bell. Yeah, sheepskin. It was all on sheepskin, and I had to, like, go through <laughs> it. Anyways, it was, it was fascinating. I ended up writing my dissertation after I was involved in, in another project in the, at Emory. And so I was hired in. 2002 at Emory and I was involved in another project, but I wanted to publish my dissertation. So I went and I looked up the top person, the, the top Marinette Marinella scholar, which was this woman, Paula Malpetsi Price. And I just wrote to her and I said, I've written my dissertation on Marinella. I don't have time to, to make it publishable. If, if you help me, I'll make you co-author. And she said, send me the, the book and, or the dissertation. So I did. And then she liked it. And she said, all right, let's work together. And we wrote a chapter together. And she found a publisher and did all kinds of things to make it um, publishable. And then we published the book together. So it was, nice. it was cool. It was kind of the, like when you think, should I really do this? Write the top person in the field? Right. Yeah, well, why not? Right. <laughs> and right. I was so yeah. happy. She was in between projects. And she had time to do it. So we published on Marinella in 2008. I really loved Marinella, but I loved some, I loved an Italian philosopher, still do, named Giordano Bruno, who was also, he wrote during the Inquisition and he was, he was put to death. He was burned at the stake in um, 
Campo dei Fiori in Rome for his beliefs. He had these, this belief that everything is made up of um, matter and a you know kind of a divine spark. And when you right. when you're born, they they combine, and then you live your life. And when you die, they both kind of separate and recombine in different ways. And the world is made up of opposites, and the uh, every everything has its opposite, and that's how the universe is uh is made up and they hated him because he went against the christian belief system mm -hmm. he was writing around when um galileo galileo a little after galileo was writing about uh a different system with the the sun as the center rather than the earth and so basically giordano bruno wasn't as lucky as galileo galileo went to jail for a while but uh then he feigned that he was insane and they let him out but Giordano right. Bruno was burned at the stake. And um, so he's one of my favorite philosophers. And then mm -hmm. as far as artists are concerned, I really love Bernini. And uh, Bernini is really the guy who, uh, Rome is his city. You go everywhere you go, you see his statues. They're outside. They're, they're so beautiful. It looks like they're in motion because he was one of the first people to put um, two pieces of marble together rather than just one. And so it looks as though all of his, his carvings are, or all of his sculptures are in movement. Really, really beautiful stuff. And he also made the arms of, he designed the Vatican. So the arms of the Vatican are like, there are two, when you look at the Vatican, you have two sides to it that look like arms embracing you. And that was, Right. His design, as well as the alt part of the altar called the baldacchino, with these real spiral legs almost and uh, reaching up to the heavens. He's such a good artist. So those are really that's when you think about art, because uh, I know Carl, you wanted to know a bit about Italian art. Um, I'm thinking of it in three as writers, but also artists, and definitely Bernini's my favorite. Wow. Wasn't wasn't there a? Uh, I, but I, I went into a deep tangent from Marinella. No, that was great. <laughs> Started oh. thinking about her, and then I was thinking of all the humans I liked at that time from that time period, the Baroque. Yeah, Christine, was there wasn't there an artist you studied, or maybe it was a writer that like like studied like the ugliness? Maybe you're thinking of, gosh, it's possible. <laughs> But it was. I, well, listen, we don't have to. We can move on to something else if you. Well, I I can talk about the Baroque period in general because there there was some ugliness. For example, the Baroque period was excess, so they were really focused on right. excess yeah. in general, you know. And so everything almost made you nauseous. It was so much. They were playing with metaphors. There were people writing about artichokes or at least this one author was writing about an artichoke and the author was writing about all this, the artichoke at a cellular level. This other guy wrote about this woman he was in love with and he wrote about the lice in her hair and he was saying how beautiful <laughs> yeah. the lice was in her hair and uh -huh. using all these, these metaphors to talk about lice. And, uh, and that was, you know, fairly ugly, uh, but he made it beautiful then some of the Baroque, it was just excess. Like everybody was competing against each other to create wonder in the viewer. So 
basically, if you created a statue or a painting, the goal was to create so much wonder in the person who was looking at that item that they would become frozen with wonder and they wouldn't be able to move anymore. And that was the ultimate, you know, that that was their goal. And then you right. then you also during this period had priests who were trying to attract people to their congregations and they were outside on the public squares and they were trying to create wonder. So they were using like all kinds of metaphors and this flowery, flowery, flowery language to to attract people to their uh, congregations. And it was so funny because I was teaching a course on the Baroque and talking about metaphors and talking about tropes. And it just so happened that I think it was Gore and Bush were running and they were speaking. They were, they were basically talking to each other and uh, debating. And I said, watch the debates and see if you can hear some metaphors and tropes. Like, what do they use to make their language sound great? And for George W. Bush, nothing. And then with Gore, yeah, yeah with Gore, they just kept saying, well, the lockbox. <laughs> He's obsessed with the lockbox. Yeah. Yeah. He did say that a lot. Oh, my God. He said lockbox an infinite amount of times. But uh, but they used a lot more excesses in the language than than we do now. That's that's cool. Yeah, it was funny. I I love the Baroque period because of, you know, it almost makes you want to throw up when you when you walk into a church and it's a Baroque church and you have like, you look up at the ceiling and there's so much going on and uh-huh. you know, it almost makes you a little sick to your stomach. And that was the effect. They were just trying to outdo each other the whole during the Baroque. And, and so excess was, was really the name of the gang. Okay. Yeah. They also had, all right, this was another thing. Fashion became ex- excessive too. And so let's say you were in Venice and you uh, and, and it was during the Baroque period and you were rich and you were trying to be fashionable and and maybe you bought a dress, but the other people had this dress. You would rip part of it almost like people do now with jeans so that you'd have a hole in your part of your dress. And that would be kind of, quote, Baroque. Or the where these it definitely uh, broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was broke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they also had um, heels, really high heels, and people kept falling into the canals in Italy <laughs> because of the heels were too high. <laughs> yeah. That was all during the. Oh, it sounds like uh, today, definitely. Yeah, it does. We're a little baroque too. Totally unwearable shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we're uh, about at the end of the episode. Um, I have no idea what the hell we just talked about. And, uh, that's how I like. <laughs> the Baroque. I'll have to, listen, I'll have to listen to this again and, uh, and, and summarize this, this episode. We talked about pizza a little bit, Carl. Yeah, least yeah the pizza thing. We, I think we did 50% on pizza. On pizza, right. insulata caprese. I think, this is, I think this is the pizza episode. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking that yeah. at that point. Yeah. This is yeah. the pizza episode. Yeah. What kind of With beer are you drinking? Giordano Bruno thrown in. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of Giordano Bruno and the, the falling into the, the canals in Venice and uh, yeah. earthquake. That's a theme. Falling into rivers is a theme on this podcast. Is it really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We've had that before. 
but you didn't climb from the bottom of the grip the bottom of the river and climb out that was tree <laughs> all right um what are your links christine christine what's your link just give oh, us one link all right so it. it's so what's my link, link is www.christineristino or christineristino.com nobody's gonna be able to yeah, i know uh, r-i-s-t-a-i-n-o.com <laughs> and pandemic noodles if you type in pandemic noodles up will pop our pandemic noodles site Sweet. Sweet. Well, this was awesome. awesome. I love being on your show. Oh, wow. Yeah, you did a great job. Thanks. So did you guys. Chris. I am, as always, Live Fire Cook, livefirecook.com, Live Fire Cook on Instagram, Live Fire Cook. Andy. (laughs) I am Andy, how do you say, Christine? Ristaino. Andy Ristaino. R-I-S-T-A-I-N-O.com. You find links to my Tumblr, Twitter, YouTube, all that jazz there. We need to make a song for people to remember how to pronounce Ristino. Ooh, we should. R-I-S-T-A-I-N-O. It's something like, like you know the P's song? Like... Oh, who knows? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know the peace song. The oh, peace I mean, song. Yeah. yeah. All right. So next please, episode, please, we can make up I, a song. Uh, anyway, it um, teaches you how to spell the letter P. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, navy beans. I was thinking navy beans. Navy beans song. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't think I've heard anyway. that. You're getting even it? more confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sing uh, it, Carl. Right. Anyway, um, Christine. Yes. So I'm going to oh, I'm madcarl.com, madspiral.com, Carl Ristano on Facebook and Instagram. So, <laughs> Christine, now you tell, you. I'm going to start yeah, you, the music. You tell people how to get, how to get out of there. Italian. Yeah, 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 yeah. In like kick them out of the ash shed, however you want to in Italian. Are you ready? Okay. So, wait. So, so you you first have to like say one line like, like um, you don't have to stay here. Like you 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 don't have to. What's the line? You don't have to go home, yeah. Carl. Carl, right. like what you're trying to say every week and sometimes succeed. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Say that in Italian. Uh, right, okay. So say, say the first part. I'll start the music, and then you say the last part. Okay. Right, ready? Say the first part. Okay. You don't have to go home? Is that what you want me to say? Yeah, yeah. 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 Non- you stay here. But in Italian. Ah, okay. Wait, say it with enthusiasm. Okay. Yeah, figure it out first, figure and then tell us. Non devi andare a casa. Oh, yeah. Stop, stop, stop. All right. Ready? Go. Non devi andare a casa. Ma non puoi rimanere qui. Thanks, Christine, for being on the show. Uh, thanks to uh, Carl and Chris for helping host. Thanks to Ed Guild and Anderson Spiegel for the Mad Carl stuff. Thanks, of course, to all the listeners who hung out with us and are probably all hungry because we've just been talking about food for an hour. Uh, Yeah, have a good week, everyone. Thanks, everyone. This was fun.
Yes. Ciao, ciao, tutti.